Welcome to Horror Struck. What's up, horror babies? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Talbert. This week, we took a look at the 2019 film, The Lodge, directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. Spoiler warnings for The Lodge. There will be many spoilers. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Does this come out on Christmas? No. Oh. (laughs) It comes out the second week of December. Merry December. Oh my god, this is only the second Christmas movie we've watched? Yeah, because Nasty Piece of Work was the first one. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm so excited to watch The Santa Claus. Is that a horror movie? I think it's slowly turning into my favorite Christmas movie, and I think it's just because I talk about I it I sent a lot. you that video about the Santa Claus conspiracy theories. Oh my god, I know, theories. I loved it. Yeah, I thought of you immediately. <laughs> I don't think it uh, necessarily works, but it's a lot of fun. No, it doesn't make sense at all. I haven't seen the movie since I was a child, so I don't, I don't know. Wait, you still haven't seen it? Oh, that's what we need to watch, you, me, and Lauren. The Santa Claus. After we watch all the Princess Switch movies. Okay. Yes, I was going to say I would like to watch those first because they seem very fun. Yeah, they're not very good. I mean, what Christmas movie is really good that's not like It's a Wonderful Life or like old, old classics? I really like Elf. Do you mean like a super recent one? Yeah, because like it's mostly just Netflix like fast food. Oh, Klaus. Klaus is so good. I haven't watched that. But I did hear it was really you should, good. You should watch it. It's really good. Fair enough. I'm sure there are good ones. I just, they're not on my radar. Yeah. You know who did the best, um, like, Switch Place movie? Barbie. Did you say Barbie? Yeah. Yes! Yes, it's I was going to Princess of the Pop Star. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. good. It's so fun. We should watch that. Why didn't we watch all the Barbie movies? We talked about doing that. I don't think they're streaming anywhere, though. I think that's the problem. Oh, uh, Okay, that makes sense. I'm I'd not going to go look, buy them I all. But I don't think there's I don't think they're streaming anywhere. I mean, I might buy Princess and the Popstar. That one's really good. <laughs> don't get a copyright claim. On my dancing? <laughs> no, on your singing. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to? Hmm. I'm still living. Oh, I watched a movie. It was called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Is that what it was called? Uh, that sounds right. I'm gonna decide that that's right, but I watched it, and you know the guy from Almost Famous? I don't remember his name, it's like Patrick something. He's in it, and it was weird, and it was very slow, and I think there was a vampire, and I actually really liked it. I like vampires. We're going through a vampire renaissance right now. Vampires are never gonna go out of fashion. I mean, they're just so sexy. This one wasn't. They're so fast. This one looked like a sickly Victorian child. Oh. Oh my. It's more uh, about, like, sibling relationships and family. It was very good. I liked it a lot. What? I think that's the only horror movie I've watched. I I finished um, Channel Zero. I watched season three and four. And I can see why it got canceled. It's a little crazy. (laughs) I really liked season three. I think it was my favorite one. But season four kind of lost me. (laughs) Season four... Uh, yeah, it it went a little bit off the rails. It starts out pretty wacky, and then devolves into an incest storyline, and that's that's where I kind of went, um, we've only got two episodes left, where are we going? At least it was one-sided. At least, at least it wasn't like, we both love incest. That's true. That would have been a very different show. 
thankfully that didn't happen. Yeah, the one thing I always liked about Channel Zero was I never knew how it was going to end. I could never see where the show was going, and I really enjoyed that. I think every season ends on a bummer, except maybe season three. I think, like, there's part of it's a bummer, but the rest is like, oh, cool, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very bummed out that they there isn't any more. Because, like, you know, anthology is hit or miss. So I didn't like season four, but I could have liked the next one. Well, speaking of Channel Zero, I just finished Brand New Cherry Flavor, which is on Netflix. It's an eight-episode series. It is made by Nick... What is his name? Like, Anticosta? Something like that, yeah. He's the guy behind Channel Zero, and it was essentially, like, Channel Zero, but on Netflix. Um, huh... (laughs) I have the most mixed feelings uh, of of it than I ever did for any of the Channel Zeros. I think it was written in a way that they could do another season, but I don't want to watch another season. Oh no, okay, you told me part of it last night, and it does sound like they gave him maybe a little bit too much creative liberty. I think what it is is that Channel Zero works really well because it's six episodes. I think eight episodes was way too long. It got so incredibly crazy. I don't think the story underneath it was bad, but I appreciate the big swing, but there's a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, weird stuff is is good when it's, like, contained and you can't let it go too off the rails. I'm still probably gonna watch it. It felt like I watched three seasons. That's what it felt like. It felt really long. How long are the episodes? They're like an hour. Maybe I won't watch it. I'll look up what happens. It's fine. Yeah, I think that's it. You want to jump into the movie of the week? No, I don't. Okay. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Yeah, I guess we should. Yeah. So this week, we are covering the 2019 film, The Lodge. Now, this is a movie that both Riley and I have seen before, and we both had kind of cool feelings on it, and we thought, we'll give it another try. It got a a lot of people in the horror community really, really liked it, and so we revisited it, and yeah, I, my feelings are just the same. They're exactly the same as the first time I saw it. Oh yeah, nothing has changed for me. I thought maybe... Because I wasn't really a horror fan when I saw it, didn't really know what was going on, maybe I'd watch it and go, oh, okay, I kind of get it now. I I like what they're doing, and I, I don't. And it's nothing <laughs> It's against. all script-based. The actors are really good. I like the settings. I think it's very atmospheric. But there are certain things in the script that I cannot get over, and that is how fucking mean these kids are. Like, to the point of unreasonability. It it takes me completely out of the movie. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's outrageous. And I, I think the actors are fine. They don't have a ton to work with. Like, Jaden Martell is just, oh, I'm a very evil little boy. I'm like, okay, there's no depth to that whatsoever. I think Riley Keogh is really good. But as for everyone else, I don't care. They showed up, they said their lines, they got a paycheck. I think you're right, though. The set designs are really good. It is very atmospheric. But that's really the only good thing I have to say about it. I really like the ending. That, okay, I do really like the ending. And it sucks that this is the movie that it's attached to. Because I, 
I want to forgive the build-up because it's such a good ending. Yeah, everything centers around the fact that I just, I can't believe that these kids would go to the extreme that they did, even if they are mad at this woman for who they think led to their mother killing herself. But it's too much. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. The first time she's spending time with the kids and the dad leaves her alone with them without a car in the middle of nowhere at this lake cabin. <sighs> it's just bad parenting. It's a bad way to introduce the your kids piece of to a new mommy. These kids need therapy, not a replacement mommy. All very valid points. Um, I've got some theories about the dad, just at least about what his mindset was, but he does suck. He's a terrible dad. He's a terrible husband, terrible boyfriend or fiance or whatever. This dude is the villain of the story. Like, there's a death cult in it, and I'm still way more mad at the dad. Watching this movie when you know the twist makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, it just makes everything seem so much more outrageous, and I, I feel like we were nitpicking a little because we knew what the buildup was leading to, but there are plenty of movies that knowing the twist make it better. The Visit. Knowing the twist makes yeah. The Visit so much better. The Visit, The Sixth Sense. There's tons of stuff. I don't know why I can only think of M. Night Shyamalan movies. He just does it really well. Yeah, he does a good twist. But this sucked. This movie blows. I'm so sorry. I don't know why everyone likes it so much. I think people like it because it's very atmospheric. I think that's why. And they might like the absurdity of, like, what the kids do, whereas for me, it just takes me out of the film. Yeah, I'm very story-driven. I need it to make sense. Also, they introduce this theme of dollhouse that has fucking no bearing on... I don't... I don't understand if it's supposed to be thematic. I know in the end, it ends up being a plot contrivance because it's their, like, mapped-out plan for torturing their new mommy. But that doesn't even come into play, because the dad was still going to show up regardless of if he found it. This whole thing is a hereditary knockoff, and as much as hereditary scares the shit out of me, that movie is ten times better. Horror movies, they're just all about them dollhouses right now. Is that the big thing in horror movies right now? This, Bly. I mean, I can think of, like, yeah, three things that have done it recently. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about why we hate this movie? Should we talk about the plot? Everything we hate about the movie is plot-based. Yeah, so it's going to be a fun ride. So the movie begins... Uh, we get introduced to the dollhouse, which doesn't make any sense, but we're scanning through the dollhouse. We see Laura, who is played by Alicia Silverstone. She's looking for her kids because she is driving them to dad's house because she is currently separated from her husband, Richard. And when they get to the father's house, they send the kids away so they can have a discussion. You find out they aren't legally divorced, but Richard is ready for it to happen because his girlfriend and he are planning to get married in September. Uh-oh, this is mom's breaking point. <laughs> so many problems with this because... One, we don't know how long they've actually been separated for. So we don't know if it's been a couple months or if it's been a couple years. And who decides to plan a wedding when your soon-to-be husband isn't divorced from his first wife first? Yeah, everyone in this just seems like a bad person from right off the bat. There aren't any heroes. They're all pretty flawed. I do like Grace. 
I feel really bad, like, all the fucking shit she goes through. I like Grace a lot. Yeah, but you can tell, like, the kids suck. They call their soon-to-be stepmom a very not-okay word, and the mom does not... A slur that begins with R. Yeah, what could that be? And the mom does not reprimand them. She's just kind of like, yeah, she is. The dad, for whatever reason, the kids are like, is she going to be there when we get to dad's house? And mom's like, yeah. But then she, Grace sneaks out the back and dad lies about her being there. Like, everyone comes off so shitty in the beginning of this movie. That is Laura's breaking point because she goes home, pours herself a glass of wine, and then shoots herself in the head. The Lodge. It's just such a jarring start to this movie. And I don't think it's necessary for me to see her tomato soup colored blood splatter on the wall. show it. With the fucking crucifix behind her. Like, do I need all of this to get the point? It doesn't really match the rest of the movie. Because the rest of the movie, like, there is that moment where she finds the dog. But the rest of the movie, up until the very end, is not hyper-violent. So it's very weird that we start off with this. Like, I don't think that they necessarily had to show it. The camera could have panned out of the room and then you heard the gunshot. Then they're at the funeral. Yeah, more effective if we had just seen her put the gun in her mouth, then pan to, like, the doorway and hear the gunshot. That's all I need. I'm not dumb. I can figure out what's going on. And I know these are not debut directors either, so apparently they're just bad at it. My guess is they just wanted that jarring effect. They wanted that effect to unsettle you right from the beginning but i don't think it's necessary no not at all it makes me mad plus alicia silverstone's great i i want her in more of the movie keep her alive for like two more minutes i don't know yeah also i do have a problem with the idea that she she killed herself and then who do you think is gonna find her body them kids yeah it's like okay you're gonna do something already pretty fucked up because you're in a desperate spot but now you're like gonna like fuck your kids brains up because not only did you kill yourself but they were probably the ones who found your body okay but who says that that's not exactly what she wanted because she probably wants the kids to turn against the dad and the stepmom girlfriend gross like mom does not come off as a great person no no one does so no not at all and and all the religious uh iconography symbolism and stuff yeah iconography behind her um i don't think she was a very good christian because you know you're not supposed to commit suicide that's like a pretty big sin yeah but it's almost like she views herself as a martyr okay she's a sacrificial lamb in the relationship between her and her husband you can just find a less shitty husband like it's not that hard there's dudes all (laughs) over the place anyway wow that was only the first scene (laughs) we go to the funeral it's real weird I think it's supposed to be unsettling, even the way they have the casket placed and all the chairs around it. And then they all have black balloons that they let go of. It's very strange. I do like some of the shots in this. Like, I like the shot of all the balloons being released and you can see the big cross. Like, you're you're looking up as they float away. That's kind of cool. I think it's hilarious that the little girl ties her doll that represents her mom to a balloon and it doesn't float away and i think that's what makes her believe that mommy can't go to heaven oh my gosh yeah and then father of the year that night like mia the little girl is crying because she's like mommy killed herself so she's not allowed to go to heaven she's going to hell 
and daddy tries to comfort her, but then kind of gives up and just leaves. And that's when the brother, Aiden, has to come in and he makes like a little bed next to her bed so that he can hold her hand and comfort her. This would be nice if I hadn't seen the movie already and know that this is just kind of his role as her like surrogate parent now that their mom's dead and the dad sucks it's kind of what leads her to going along with a lot of this stuff so it just makes him come off as manipulative like the little boy sucks probably the most of everyone in the movie the dad and him i feel the dad is worse because aiden's a child who this does not seem like the first time he has had to parent his sister so i don't think his his mom was a very good mom his dad's clearly not a good dad So I wonder if this is just something that he is mentally broken because he has had to become a parent. I mean, me too, but I didn't make my brother, like, try to make him murder a dog. These people are insane. You missed your opportunity. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could still convince Ryan to do whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to try, but he listens to this. Don't put that in. So six months pass, and it's Thanksgiving. Man, Thanksgiving devolves very quickly because Richard tells his kids, Grace is coming over. You've got to get to know her. She's going to become your mom. Uh, I said it's all her fault. What's her fault? What do you mean, what's her fault? What do you mean? You talking about mom? You left mom for, for a psychopath. Who told you she was a psychopath? Hmm? She's in your books, right? Yeah, this idea of them going on the trip together doesn't go great, especially because Aiden points out, you're dating a psycho. I know because she's the subject of one of your books. You're a psychologist. You write about your, like, subjects. And now you're dating one. Uh, power dynamics are real fucked. I feel like the dad is almost only dating her to, like, prove that he can fix her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm glad that you also read it that way, because it just comes off very strange. Like, he's clearly older. There is a huge power dynamic being her psychologist and having a whole fucking book written about her. And once you see the backstory of her dad, I think it's very clear. Yeah, somebody's got some daddy issues. (sighs) Don't we all? So not only are they going to the cabin, this is when the father's like, I'm marrying her. She will be your mommy. Or else. The kids decide, let's do some research on Grace, because we only know the little bit that our dead mom has told us. So they watch a video of Grace from her being in a death cult, and everybody in the death cult dying except her. And it's very much like Heaven's Gate, like, let's all drink the Kool-Aid kind of thing. Yeah, except uh, Grace was ordered to stay alive to spread the message because they'll all be dead, so they can't do it. Yeah, who else is going to post that sick video to YouTube? I feel like you could upload it and then drink your Kool-Aid, right? Like, you don't need to walk around spreading the word. said Grace was 12 when this happened, so YouTube probably wasn't around yet. Grace had a very, uh, upsetting upbringing. So you see in the video them all dead and like laying with blankets over them and she uncovers one of the people and they've got duct tape on their mouth that says sin on it and that's gonna come back around later. What? No. I love to talk out of my sin hole. Is that what you call it? That's what I call my asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yep. Especially after you have like a spicy taco. I'm just gonna disregard that comment. Get a spicy poop out of your sin hole. Spicy diarrhea out of my sin hole. Yeah, that's the name of my new rock band. <laughs> that whole thing? Yeah. Okay. You're gonna have to abbreviate that. It's like that. Hep, al- Hep Alien. What was it like we walked through we the desert? We follow them it? to the edge of the desert or something. Yeah, something about the desert. Oh, I want to say one more thing about Thanksgiving. Who who set decorated this? Because it looks insane. They have just like plastic turkeys hanging all over the place. It makes no sense. I don't think I've ever decorated specifically for Thanksgiving. For, you know, autumn, the season. But yes, it is Christmas time. We're getting close. It's time to go to the cabin. So the family goes and they pick up Grace. And I do think it's really funny how they make it a really big reveal. Like, they're like, Grace, she looks normal. What? Wow, she's just some normal, nice lady? Whoever would have guessed. They do build her up to be, like, a psychopath, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. What were they expecting, like, Villanelle from Killing Eve? Like, how do you tell that someone's crazy from the first ten seconds of meeting them? I do like the tension, because she gets in the car and then the dad has to go take a phone call, so it's just kind of them sitting in the car together. It's so awkward. Oh, it sucks, because he, like, she gets in the car, and the second she's in, he steps out. There's not even like a, hey kids, say hi to Grace. It's just, here she is, goodbye. Business, business, business. Do you, uh, I don't know. I don't know if what the dad's plan was. He clearly sucks at parenting. I don't know if- You know what his plan reminds me of? What? So when Michelle and Ben first moved in together, they both had cats. Okay. And their cats didn't like each other. So what they did is, thank God this worked, because it could have gone really poorly. They literally put them in the bathroom together and shut the door and left them in there. You are absolutely not supposed to do that. I know it worked. Uh, That's what this reminds me of. (laughs) Yeah, you're kind of right. He just puts them in a cabin and leaves. (laughs) That literally, that's what happens, though. They are. They're like feral cats. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the cabin. There's kind of putting stuff away. We see Grace's big bag of meds. Uh, That'll come into play later. And then they have an awkward family dinner. We see the creepy painting of Mary. And then Grace gets a nosebleed. Yeah. So they get to the house. And while Grace is hiding all the Christmas presents she bought for the kids, because she's a nice lady. Oh, that's right. She finds the picture of, I think it's just Laura and Richard, the mom and the dad. You would think, this is their family home. The last time they were there, the mom was with them. So you would think, oh, I'm going to go kind of, you know, put all of the mom's stuff away so that it doesn't make my new girlfriend uncomfortable, doesn't make my kids sad that their mom is dead. This dude fucking sucks. He does none of that. He's got all no, this fucking... he doesn't do any of well, it. Well, and the religious iconography has got to be really triggering for someone who survived a death cult. And I think that's why she got a nosebleed. This is also a shot that I really like, though. The, the two kids are sitting there praying across from Grace. The Mother Mary portrait is, like, peering over their shoulders at her. Is the Mother Mary supposed to represent their mom? Yeah, for sure. Like this looming presence that is just there. I think it looks cool. I think they should have made... Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. They should have made some of the um, symbolism a little clearer. Because I kept expecting there to be ghosts. But that's because I didn't know what the fuck was going on the first time I saw this. That is one thing. The movie does do a good job um, up until the twist of like, you don't really know what's happening. You liking this movie depends on if you like the twist. Yeah, it does kind of put you in 
Grace's shoes. But I think that's also a flaw of the movie, which we talked about. Yeah, because a lot of this movie is shown from the perspective of the kids, even though you don't know the twist that the kids are actually the ones like playing all these pranks. But it would have been a lot more effective if it had mostly just been from Grace's perspective while the kids are preying on her. And then when it flips to the to her preying on the kids, the perspective could change to the kids. I think that would have made it a much better movie. They needed to choose, yeah. But they, they kind of just blankly touched on everybody without really going in depth, I felt. Yeah, so other things we do at the cabin are we have a we have fun lake time. So Grace goes out. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, first we uh, fuck within earshot of the children. It's so awkward, like... And Grace points out, hey, is that the mom's cross? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, does it make you uncomfortable? And she's like... Uh, no, I guess it's fine. How upsetting must it be to be a child who you're spending your first Christmas without your mom and your dad is just like having the loudest sex of his life (laughs) with the woman that drove your mother to insanity. I mean, it would have been uncomfortable even if it were their mom. That's just rude. Anyway, now they go ice skating and they don't invite Grace because they're dicks and because she can't ice skate. Kids and, and Richard are out on the lake and Grace goes out to join them. She just kind of randomly put a hat on that she saw near the door. The kids react pretty uh, pretty upset because it is their mom's hat. The whole movie, Mia has this doll that's the representation kind of of her mom. And she's always playing with it. And she's playing with this doll in the snow. She It's on a little like snowboard. She pushes it too hard. And it goes into like a, a like an ice fishing hole. And Grace has to stop her to be like, don't run in there. I will go get it. So she gets in it. Well, she gets close to it. The ice breaks. Everyone has to come over to save her. And then Mia's like, fuck this lady and grabs her doll and doesn't even ask if she's okay. Grace is really nice. Grace is trying really hard to figure out what her role is. She has absolutely no maternal instincts. Like, you can tell she's kind of stunted in growth because of all this trauma she went went through so young. So what did the dad expect? He's just going to leave her there alone to, like, flail with these kids? No wonder it went this way. And it's a lot. I understand if maybe they do kind of introduce that they've been trying to get the kids and Grace together because Grace comes for Thanksgiving, but we don't see her and, you know, Richard kind of tells her, like, the kids aren't ready. But this is not the time to throw everybody in the deep end. Wait till after Christmas. This is the first Christmas that these kids don't have their mom. It should be all about them. It shouldn't be about them accepting their new mommy because Richard's going to marry her. They're already spoiled brats, so I don't know. But yeah, maybe don't just have a nice, quiet Christmas in the living room. Maybe don't drive them to the middle of nowhere and force them together. Well, and the next thing we learn is that the plan is that Richard, I don't know what he does for work, but he has to leave for a couple days and they've already discussed it. Grace says it's fine. She said that was the deal for them coming out here. She's okay with it. This is, no, okay. You do not leave. I understand you're going to marry this woman, but you don't leave your kids in a cabin when it's more than likely going to get snowed in without a car. What if something happened? Like all the power went out for real. Well, it does. No, he's a psychologist, so that's where I'm a little confused, because what is he doing that he cannot do on a Zoom call? No, do they ever say that he's a psychologist, though? They just mentioned him writing a book. I think so. 
don't they? Did I make that up? I may have made that up because this is a hereditary knockoff. Because we were talking about hereditary. So I don't know what he does, but he's either like a researcher, a historian, an investigator. But like, dude, you can take two days fucking off. It's Christmas. People worked from home during a whole pandemic, sir. You can hop on Zoom, dumbass. Why don't you say, hey, I need these two days off because my kid's mom killed herself and I just need to be with my kids this Christmas. But I think you're right. I think because there's a point where Grace says, or no, Richard says, hey, I can stay if you want. And Grace is like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm fine. So it all seems like a test. Like the dad was leaving regardless. He's the worst. Richard's the real villain of this story. He's insanely manipulative. And then he gives this woman a gun. Seconds later, he's like, and here's a gun. (laughs) He's like, here's the code to the safe. Let's go outside and uh, try out the gun. Oh, you're really good at shooting. Okay, not concerning at all. Okay, bye. (laughs) How long have they been together? This woman is practically a stranger and you have left her in your home with a firearm and your two children. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not great. So Richard leaves. It's just very awkward. The kids don't really want to talk to her. Fair enough. She just starts putting up Christmas decorations. She doesn't really know what to do. Uh, she does have a little kind of heart-to-heart with Mia because uh, Mia's, like, I think, just watching her put up decorations and Grace is just trying to make conversation. She's like, what do you want for Christmas? And Mia's like, oh, I really, really want a dog. And they talk a little bit about that. And then Grace is like, yeah, because she brought her dog with her. This little, I don't know what kind of dog it was. It was a little, little cute thing. Oh, it's the same kind as Hubie. What kind of dog? Sorry, that's Hannah's dog's name. I don't know what kind it is, but it's a crusty. Like Hubie Halloween? <laughs> no, he's named after the guy from Futurama. Um... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, a, a little crusty white dog. She's got a little, little white dog she brought with her. But she explains to Mia... I got greedy for myself as a present to myself. Hmm. Whenever I was able to sort of put all that behind me and he was my new life. Because I didn't get presents when I was growing up because the Bible didn't say anything about presents and my dad then said I couldn't have presents. The Bible says a lot of things and doesn't say a lot of things. So that's wild speculation on her dad's part. But the part I do like about this line... Well, he seemed very sane, so I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, everyone who starts a death cult is probably very right in the head. Very stable. But she does have a line that I do like that does kind of come full circle, is that she said she got Grady as a representation of her starting her new life. So with what happens, it kind of makes sense. The dog kind of had to die. (sighs) Poor Grady. Oh, yeah, and then they show this uh, scar on her hand of a cross because the fanaticism that the death cult instilled in her will always be there. Yep, it's always going to be a scar. Mia decides she wants to watch videos of her mom, and Grace walks away because she can't handle it, which is fair, but also, like, of course, like, Mia might be doing it in a way to be mean, but also, can you imagine how much Mia must be thinking about her mom right now? I can sympathize with the daughter like i don't think she's doing this part to be a dick i think doesn't she say though that she made this video for the dad it's like his christmas present oh that's what it is yeah grace says okay let's watch it obviously not knowing that it's just going to be a bunch of videos of their dead mom but i i can sympathize with mia as well because yeah it's christmas time it's the first one you've ever had without your mom 
But you should have the sense to know not to play this in front of your future stepmom. Even as a child. She's got to be, what, like, 11? Yeah, but I think it's probably just really hard. Well, then watch it with your brother. These kids are dumb. Grace goes and takes a shower. Creepy Aiden is watching her. So she gets out of the shower and she puts the towel around her waist. I've just never seen anyone do that. Yeah, I always just let my tits hang. I'm just like, whatever. No. No. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, it's maybe, I don't like know. It's always like the coldest part of you. You just want to bundle up because you just got out of the shower and it's cold. Yeah, she just fully had her boobies out. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love a good boobie. It's a strange choice. I am 12. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's bizarre. But yeah, he's a dick and he, he writes like mom with a heart in it on the mirror. Yeah. Is he supposed to be trying to convince her that the mom is a ghost? Or it's just another, like, fuck you to her. Uh, so it's going very well, being alone with the kids. And even better, after the mirror, she finds a really weird shrine to the mom with her snow hat (laughs) and the mom doll. And it's so fucking weird. It's so weird. And she's starting to lose it. (laughs) These fucking kids. She has kind of like a trauma dream that night. And I think it's probably because of all the stress. Um, but she wakes up on the floor and then she discovers that presents have been moved and now um, Mia's doll is in her stuff. So she has to then plant the doll with her dog Grady so that so that um, Mia doesn't think Grace took her doll. I didn't realize at first that this wasn't just like a sleepwalking, she didn't take the doll on purpose kind of thing. I think that works in the sense of you not realizing it's the kids who hit all the stuff at first. But I I thought it was just she stole the doll and hid it so that she could find it so that Mia would like her. Look, I found your doll that was lost. Hooray! Yeah, hooray! I'm a good mom! Later that day, her and Aiden have a, a little bit of a chat over sandwiches. Oh, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. She calls him out. I just want you to know that I, I'm... Here, if you want to talk to me about anything. Why would I talk to you? Because we're stuck in a house together. <laughs> I didn't mean, I didn't mean stuck. I meant I'm, we're in a house together. I want to be in the house. I mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. I just meant it would be a lot better, I think, for both of us if we could talk. I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me? Okay. You don't want to talk to me. You just want to watch me in the shower. Yeah, it's real uncomfortable. And then they have a movie night. Mia's like, I'm really cold. So Aiden's like, I'll bring in the gas heater. And Grace is like, is is that safe? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. He also makes Grace a cup of tea, which is unexpectedly nice. Mm, I mean, roof eater, so it's not very nice. But... Yeah, uh, you find out during the twist that, yeah, they definitely drugged her so that she would be asleep the whole night. That or they just, like, I don't know, gave her... Can you pass out from a kerosene heater? No. That would explain why I think there are ghosts in your parents' house, though. Oh, the gas fumes. I just have carbon monoxide (laughs) poisoning. Yeah. So she falls asleep, and she wakes up, and she's in the snow, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? But then she gets pulled under the ice by, like, a a vision of her, like, dad, but then she wakes up in the house on the floor again. But this time, everything in the house is off, so there's no power... The water's not working, and everything is gone. All the food is gone. All the Christmas stuff is gone. It's very strange. I think the dream part is okay. 
Like, I understand the symbolism of them, like, she's being dragged back into the mindset she had in the cult. But you mentioned when we watched it that it would have been almost more effective if it were Alicia Silverstone's character that was dragging her down. I think that would have worked a little bit better. Because there's so much of the, the cult stuff ingrained in her and from and everything we've seen already. I don't know. I think that would have been more interesting. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, all the cult stuff's on the back burner. But what's in the forefront is this passing of the kid's mom and her trying to figure out what role does she now play in this family. Yeah, the next day is real weird though. Yeah. <laughs> With everything gone and all the clocks are set to January 9th all of a sudden, even though it should have been the, I think it should have been the 24th. Yeah, it should have been before Christmas. So she's going through all of their stuff now. Because she's like, you guys are playing a trick on me. It's not funny. I'll just go to my room. And when I come out, everything needs to be back. And they're like, we didn't do it. We didn't steal your medicine. You're nuts. You're the one walking through the halls at all hours of the night. They're just fully gaslighting her. And the dog's gone. Oh, yeah. Her dog is missing. Her pills are missing. It's not good all around. Grace does a good job improvising, though. She gets the fire going. She puts a bunch of snow in a pot so they can... They can uh, melt it for water. I mean, thank God they didn't take their beans. Baked beans and crackers for dinner because they only have, like, this canned food. Yum, yum, yum. The note I wrote about the beans just says, cold beans and nightmares. I love it. That's what I eat every night. Mia gets up and leaves the table, and Aiden looks at Grace and says, I had a, a weird dream last night. A nightmare, but, um... In, in, in the dream, the gas heater started smoking and we couldn't breathe. And, and we suffocated. Laying the seeds that something happened. And all of their phones are dead, so they can't even... Well, they say all their phones are dead. Grace's phone is dead. She thinks she hears Mia talking on the phone at one point, but it turns out, no, her phone... Is also dead, and I don't know how they worked that out, but... I don't either, because she says... She must have two phones. Oh, maybe. They are spoiled brats, so that wouldn't surprise me. But she does say later that she'd been calling the dad, like her phone is actually dead now, so they're screwed. Yeah, because when you find out the twist, it's what explains why Richard hasn't come back, because he he's hearing from the kids, he just assumes Grace is busy. God, he sucks. He's so dumb. There's another moment later that night where... Grace goes to, I think she goes to take, oh, she, she had boiled some like water. She had some hot water so she could give herself like a towel bath kind of thing. And the steam from the water reveals, uh, repent on the mirror, which is the thing her father used to say to her all the time. Um, Mia, uh, goes and gets Grace because she's hearing noises. Uh, they look out the window and see the snow angels, which I'm still confused about because I still don't know if that's real or not. I think what that is supposed to represent is the people who died in the cult. So I don't think it is real because in the scene before where she sees like repent on the mirror, she's already starting to lose it. And she starts like humming or singing nearer my God to thee, which is like the song they all sang before they killed killed themselves. So I think it's just part of like her stress dreams. Yeah. So it's a combination of her having these trauma stress dreams and the kids playing this awful prank on her. Like, she has this dream where she thinks the kids are covered with with the sins written on their mouth. I don't think that's real. 
I think that's part of her trauma dream. Oh, no, I don't think that's real either. They end up shaking her awake because she's just kind of standing there with the gun in her hand, like catatonic. And they have to wake her up. Oh, yeah. And she just bitch slaps Mia when she comes up behind her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Grace has had enough. She's decided, I'm going to walk to the nearest house and get help. And they don't have their coats. Yeah, so she's just in a blanket. This poor woman. She makes it to what she thinks is a house, but I'm pretty sure it's just another hallucination. It's this very weirdly shaped cabin and her father is inside of it and no one answers the door when she bangs on it. Yeah, the house almost looks like a cross. Yeah, I think it is supposed to be a cross now that you say that. It's very strange looking. It looks cool. Like I like everything visually in this movie for the most part. She's too cold. Her water has frozen. So she decides to head back and she gets back to to their cabin and she finds something in the snow, which is a picture of the kids in the frame says in loving memory of. Oh, yeah. She finds that and like flowers in the snow. It was buried pretty deep. So I don't know how these kids thought she was going to find it. They were very confident with their plan. I feel like it would have been so easy to miss that they are just lucky she she came upon it if i were grace i would be like i don't have time for this so much weird shit's going on i don't want to find more weird shit i'm just gonna ignore it i'm sure they had a backup plan though yeah and aiden's just like oh my god this is so weird do you think we're dead and she's like no no we're not dead she she walks in to the living room and the kids are like on their knees crying and praying and aiden shows her an obituary which is all three of them that they died from um, an accident with the gas heater. Where did you get this? Did you do that? Grace, we must repent. We must repent for our sins, Grace. It's difficult. You have to. Shut up, Aiden. You have to before it's too late. You have Shut to up, repent Aiden. so that we can go stop to heaven. Stop, Aiden. You have to repent. I it. said stop it, Aiden. Holy fucking shit. This was the point when I saw it in the movie theater that I started laughing. Because this is just so fucking absurd. Like, you can tell what's going on. Well, the kids are overacting so aggressively. Oh, yeah. Aiden's like, no, we're definitely dead. And she's like, well, I'm cold and I'm hungry and there's no, like, it doesn't make sense if I'm dead. He's like, no, we're definitely dead. It was purgatory. We're dead. We're very dead. I'm going to go pray with my fake obituary. And then I'm going to hang myself. Fuck off, Aiden. And then Mia goes to get her to be like, come look. It's real. We are really dead. And she takes him up to the like the attic and they open the door and Aiden is just hanging there to hang himself. And then he kind of looks at her and goes, repent, repent. Do you see now? You see, we cannot die. We're already dead. We're caught in purgatory. We must confess our sins and cleanse our souls in order to go to heaven, Grace. Confess! Repent! Repent your sins! This is where it loses me. Yeah, this is this is way too far. Fully broke me. This is stupid. Because he had a harness, so he, he faked, hung himself. But that's so dangerous. It's dangerous and no child is going to go this far for a prank. No, no, it's too much. The fake obituary is so fucking funny to me, though. Yeah. Like, when did they do that? Did we establish that they're really good at Photoshop? They must have done it before they went to the cabin. Oh, no, it's all premeditated. So they absolutely brought it with them. Yeah, it's 
crazy because of the dollhouse. Yeah, but like, that's right. They should have shown a scene of them doing Photoshop and them being really good at it for me to believe this. It's so dumb. It's like in Lake Mungo. They build it up so that when you get that reveal about the brother in the pictures, it makes sense. Oh my god, I should watch Lake Mungo. That movie is ten times better. The hanging is too far. I can do the obituary because that like seems crazy but realistic enough. Oh yeah. But the hanging is way too far. They don't let up until she finds her dead dog outside in the snow, which is what happens. She goes outside, she does this weird thing where she's on the lake, on her knees, uh, just scooting in a circle, trying to pray. And then she walks back to the house and she finds her dead dog. And the kids are like, oh, this has gone too far now. You know that scene in, in Community where she goes, I can excuse racism, but I draw the line at animal abuse. <laughs> It reminds me uh, of that. Yeah, it's crazy. So Grace has her dead dog and she's just sitting on the like on the steps in front of the cabin and she's just kind of rocking. And that's when the kids decide that the prank has gone far enough. They're just pretending. You get the reveal that they had taken everything out of the house and like hidden it in the shed and they get all their coats and everything it's so fucked up and even though they tell grace like it was a prank we're so sorry she nope she's she's beyond the breaking point at this point what did they think was going to happen especially if they stole her meds their dad is maybe a psychologist i guess we never established that but if he is then they should probably know you need to take your meds. Yeah, and that's what they do. They go and find her. I think they go to... I don't know if they ever find her meds. I don't think it's important because... I don't think they do. I don't think it matters at There's this no point. coming back. No. And these dumbasses, because they were fiddling with the, the generator, the generator is broken. So they don't have any power. Both of their phones are dead because Mia's been talking so much to her dad. Well, and here's the thing. This is all taking place during a snowstorm. So even if they weren't fucking with the generator, like, yeah, of course it's going to go out, especially if you keep touching it. Like, the electricity in the generator were probably going to go out regardless, but they wouldn't have been as screwed if they hadn't had it off for days already. Yeah, it's really dumb. They really kind of dug themselves into this hole. The fact that they are willing to suffer along with her for the sake of this is absurd. Because they have to be freezing. Like, I, I get the food thing because they could sneak to the shed and get a snack. But, yeah, they have to be just cold. I, I would give up so quickly because I just hate being cold. Uh, the only thing I can think of is maybe that they're knocking Grace out every night. So when she's passed out, they're turning stuff back on. Yeah. But they never show me any of it. I don't know, but Grace has lost her mind, and now she's kneeling on hot coals to repent for her sins. I'm not really sure why she's doing it. I don't think she knows either. Essentially, like, punishing herself as a form of repentance, and so she's taken a couple of the logs out of the fire that are still very hot, and she's just kneeling on them and praying. She's hoping God will forgive her. And the kids are freaked out by it, uh, <laughs> rightfully so. And this is when the dad discovers the stuff in the dollhouse that... It's pretty much a, a signal to the audience telling you that the kids have premeditated this. And the dad's like, I gotta get to the cabin right now. So he gets in the car. It's like a five-hour drive, though, and he just goes. And the kids hide upstairs in the attic. When morning comes around, Mia's like, I really have to go to the bathroom. And Aiden smartly is like, you can't fucking go downstairs. Just go in the corner. She's like, no, I have to use a toilet. So she sneaks downstairs to go to the bathroom. 
And then when she comes out of the bathroom, Grace is there and follows her up the stairs. I'm on Mia's side. I hate just, like, going to the bathroom in, like, wilderness or whatever. It's so uncomfortable. I would risk death to use the toilet as well. I feel like in this situation, I'm totally okay with just going on the floor. I will piss my pants because it's the only way I will get warm. And Grace also has a gun, so not great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, She comes upstairs. She says stuff like, uh, you know... Death is already behind us. We're not dead. We're not dead. We're just pretending. We were just pretending. We did it for mommy. Grace suffered in the flesh. Oh my god. I I don't know that mommy would have appreciated it going this far. Uh, I think as long as Grace didn't react this way, mommy probably would have liked it. She didn't really seem uh very stable. That's a fair point. Oh, I do like, so Grace obviously has lost her damn mind. Yes. And she sees the mom doll and she's like, we need to make a sacrifice to God. And she sets the doll on fire. I love it. It's so good. I love it. It's crazy. And Aiden puts it out real fast. Yeah. But then Grace is like, guys, trust me, and cocks a gun. (laughs) And that's when Richard gets home and he, the first thing he notices is the frozen dog in the dog bed. So that's good. Oh my God. (laughs) Good good start. Um... (laughs) He goes up the stairs and he's trying to talk down Grace, who has the gun. Uh, she's just like, hey, you know, we're dead. We're in purgatory. Um, he's like, nah, we're alive. She's like, uh-uh, I'll prove it to you. She tries to shoot herself, but she must have missed around in the gun. And then she points it at Richard. She's like, look, see. And then she shoots him and he dies. So she says... God is punishing us for what we did, right? So do you think he cheated on the mom with her? Or do you think she just means if we hadn't gotten together, their mom wouldn't have killed herself? I don't know if it's that Richard was cheating on Laura or if it's just that they split up and then he got together with Grace, but he's still legally married. So she still slept with a married man. Oh, okay. That's a a sin. It's adultery. It is a sin. Yeah. Okay. The kids, of course, run away, and Grace seems, like, really, like, she doesn't know what to, to think about the fact that Richard is, is, she can't figure out, she's like, okay, is this real? Is, are we actually alive and he's dead or not? But I think she decides, oh, this is just a representation that he's left purgatory, so I gotta go wrangle up the kids and help them leave purgatory, too. Okay, that's what I thought, that, like, the fact that she didn't die, she's like, oh, shit, I'm still stuck here, but then he died, so she was like... Oh, he ascended. Okay, cool. So Richard's yeah, off the hook. I have to be the one that frees the kids. Well, do you think that she does kill everyone that she's going to kill herself? Or do you think she'll be the last survivor like she was originally? Um, I If she really thinks she's in purgatory, I think she will try to kill herself again. I don't know if she has enough bullets. Okay. I think for sure she'll try to shoot herself whether she's successful or not at the very end. Yeah, the kids got to the car and they're trying to they're trying to drive it away, but it is stuck in the snow. And so Grace slowly walks to them, and then we cut to them at the dining table. <laughs> Dead Richard sat there, and they're having more they're having like tomato soup or something this time. More soup. Oh, it looks just like their mom's splattered blood on the wall. That's why they had tomato soup. Yeah. Cute. Full circle. And then they all sing. Nearer my God to thee. As you do in moments like this. Nearer my God to thee. Nearer 
And then she puts the sin tape over both of the kids' mouths. And that's how the movie ends. I like that the kids start singing and praying with her because they're just kind of like, oh shit, we're gonna die. They've accepted their fate. I also like her chasing these children to the car is hilarious. And I think it would have... It's so funny. It would have been so good if, if it were in the kids' point of view. Yeah. But we as the audience just see this slow woman staggering to a car and kids inside just screaming. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb. And these kids have no sense of preservation or survival. Like if I had been them. Just get out and run. I wouldn't have just let her like walk me back into the house. I would have just got out and be like, fuck it. I'd rather die in the snow. Yeah, at least die trying to get away. Yeah, they sit unbound at the table and don't do anything. And she she's not even holding the gun anymore. I'm like, pull the tablecloth. Jump across the table. Do something. Oh yeah, because that's how the movie ends. You see the loaded gun on the table and then it just cuts to black. So you don't really know what happened. I We can gather what happened. She definitely killed them. Oh yeah, she for sure killed them. If these were the two kids from the visit, they would have survived. Oh my god. If these were the two kids from the visit, they never would have done this. Those were nice kids. No, they were very nice kids. Um... Yeah, these kids fucking suck. They got what was coming to <sighs> yeah. them. I'm not usually an advocate for murdering children. No, this is a good but for her case, story. I'll accept that, yes. Yeah, so that's that's the lodge. Sure is. If you like it, like, that's fine. I, I can see why this would appeal to people. It's, the story is, it's just too far for me. So it's just not for me. I'm not a fan of things that are just bleak the entire way through i need something what is the message of this movie don't torture people with religious trauma or they'll murder you in cold blood i don't know okay what do you think the message is i think that is kind of what it's saying i don't know i just don't drag people through their past traumas i don't I really don't know. I feel like this movie is for shock value as opposed to, like, me walking away with, like, a learned message or something. I don't know what this movie is trying to say besides, like, don't fuck with people who might become crazy enough to fuck with you back. I I guess if you're a child, don't torture your step-parents because they're adults and they own guns. (laughs) Yes, that's perfect. Shall we go into ratings? Yeah, please. Let's do horror struck first. So what's your horror struck rating, Riley? It's a one. This movie doesn't scare me. It's just dumb. Yeah, mine's a one too. There's nothing scary. It's just shock value. It could have been really frightening, but I I don't think it was done effectively. I think they could have done more with the cult stuff if they wanted that to be the story. Like Midnight Mass scared the shit out of me and that's about a death cult, but that gave me... A lot more to think about and a lot more reasons to be scared. This is literally just shock value. And that doesn't scare me. It just gets annoying after the first, like, half hour. For me, there wasn't a good enough payoff for all the building there had been. And by the end, I want the kids to die. Is that supposed to scare me? Shoot them. Fuck them. Fuck those kids. They're fucking assholes. Fuck them kids. Fuck those kids. What's your overall rating of the movie? Overall, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. I finished watching it, so that's one positive. Uh, Visually, I think it's good. Atmospheric, it's good. And it gave us a lot to talk about. Yeah. But I I don't like it. I'm probably never going to watch this ever again. And the acting is fine. Like, especially from Riley Keogh. I think she does a really good job. 
descending into madness, but otherwise there's really nothing to rave about. Yeah, I think I'm right about the same. I would give it a two and a half only because I think the pro- I really like the production design. I like the setting. I liked all the buildup. I just hated the twist. Yeah. I don't know what the twist could have been that would have satisfied me, but I was just expecting it to be shocking, not dumb. Not shockingly dumb. I don't know. I don't know if this was their intention or if they wrote themselves into a corner or what. If they're going to mix in this weird prank with her going, like, slowly seeping into insanity, they needed to ramp up the insanity a little more, I think. Or they needed to make the kids slightly more sympathetic so that I am rooting for them by the end so that I want them to get away. Because, like, kids make mistakes. Yeah, because I could be like, wow, that was really fucked up. But they did this really dramatic scene and, like, I understand how fucked up Aiden is. So, like, it's really fucked up what he did, but I still don't want him to die. Instead, I'm like, kill Aiden! Kill Aiden! Yeah, like, there are a lot of children of divorce who don't like their step-parents. I am an example of that. And I'm I'm hoping that if I were in Aiden's position, I wouldn't become such a fucking monster that you would want me to die. It's bad. It's bad writing. Yeah. This is why kids shouldn't have the because internet. <laughs> then they learn Photoshop. They learn how and to fake like themselves. <laughs> Our opinion did not change on the lodge. No, I'm sorry to people who like it, but whatever. What will we be watching next week? A Christmas movie. Do you do know? Oh, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night. I do know. Uh, yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Uh, it's a slasher classic, so. You've seen it before. I I have not, so. Although I know everything about it, so. I've just never actually sat down to watch it. Did you watch the second one at all? No, I heard the second one is pretty much just a recap of the first one. Yeah, they're just like, well, this is my story. And then they just flash back to the first movie, apparently. Yeah, I think it's from the the brother's point of view. I have seen this one. I watched it before we talked to Grady Hendrix because uh, a character in his most recent book was based on a character in this movie. I liked it. It was it was fun. I'm excited to look back on it. All right, horror fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horrorstruck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at HorrorstruckPod, or you can check us out on Facebook at HorrorstruckPodcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own Horrorstruck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye.